All right. So welcome uh, <clears throat> to our Downey First Christian Church podcast. And so we were just talking earlier about why we do this and the reason why we do this. You know, I think answering the why question is always important because if not, we get lost in, you know, just nonsense. Um, why do we do this? The reason why we do this is because we literally have really good conversations quite often with different people from our staff, different people from our church. And uh, this gives you sort of like a inside look into, you know, where our minds are at, where our hearts are at. And so it's basically uh, you guys can snoop into sneak, snoop, like snooping. What does that mean? Get a sneak peek. Sneak into. peek. That's what I meant. Um, into our thought processes and stuff like that. And so most of you guys know Shay. I think all of you guys know Shay. This is a church <laughs> podcast. Um and so he just recently graduated. How does it feel to be a graduate? Man, it's um, it's very interesting. I, I've been doing like full time college like for seven years now, mm. and it's been like it for sure felt like I would never get there. And now that I'm here, it's like I'm just totally uncertain what to do with yeah. myself. Like yeah, I was yeah. just telling you the other day, I don't have a good routine or schedule because. I've spent so much time devoted to school and now I feel like I can finally breathe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the coolest thing really not to just jump right into it, but, um, was really seeing God's faithfulness throughout the midst of all of it mm. because, cause it's been so long and so much hard work and so many grueling hours of being beat down by school and feeling overwhelmed and wanting to quit. And then just to come out on the other side and see how God had, walked me through every step of the way was it's pretty amazing man mm. um you know school's not for everybody not everyone's gonna graduate <laughs> no big deal right um but this was this has been for sure an example of god's faithfulness in my life you know what's crazy to me is that in the midst of all the chaos and all of the sleepless nights and the stress and the not having time for anything you've come to you've reached uh you've reached sort of this moment which is kind of counterintuitive because i i i I did. I did. I would have never expected that you would have arrived at this stage where you're saying, um, "Now I need to learn how to rest." Hmm. Like, because we don't usually think about that in the midst of insanity. Because you're not thinking about anything. Like, mm -hmm. you're in the midst of like doing all these things, have all these balls in the air, but you found somehow in the midst of chaos, like, no, the the answer to this is not do more. It's do less so God yeah. can do more, which I'm literally quoting the book that we're reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one because I would say like, as far as rest goes, for the most part, I was pretty strict on making sure that I was able to get rest for, I don't know, I'd say probably three or four years now. Um, but in the midst of that rest was, was done out of necessity almost, mm -hmm. um, like I would set aside a Sabbath or set aside time specific times to rest throughout my week so that I would be able to function because I knew that if I wasn't able to, if I wasn't able to rest, I wasn't going to be able to function. So my idea of rest in some ways was out of pure necessity for the ability to continue forward. Mm. Um, now that I'm outside of that excruciatingly busy season, rest is starting to take a different meaning because it's not as much like it's still a necessity, but it's not as prudent in the way that I live my life. Mm. So in situations where I can, it's like, you know what? Yeah. I could stay up a little later than usual. It's not a big deal. Like I don't have a whole lot to do tomorrow. 
um, it's this idea of rest is is starting to kind of morph because before I was so intentional and now I'm able to get rest pretty freely. But mm. in that same sense, the rest that I'm receiving due to lack of intentionality has become, I guess a little, I don't want to say, I guess a little tainted. Mm. Um, but in, in all of that, it's, it's learning, learning this new rhythm mm. of understanding that rest isn't just for physical exhaustion or just like mental recuperation. Mm. Rest is, is something that's been ordained by God that he calls us mm. to be in. Mm. And so understanding what that looks like within the context that you're in, as far as whether you are, you know, a parent of four kids and you work two jobs mm. and you do this and that, it's like, that doesn't mean that that God has not designed for you to rest as well. Mm. Or if you work part-time and have all these free hours, so you rest whenever you want, um, rest still needs to have a, a clear intentional aspect within your life, not because, because you're just so worn down, but because this is part of how God has called us to live. Mm, yeah. Interesting. You know, I, I think that it's possible. I'm thinking about the people who are listening or watching, um, saying, dude, I don't have any time to rest. Like, what are you talking about? How am I going to find a, a, an hour in my day? I am so busy doing so many things. How is that even possible? And, um, you know, I'm thinking about that person right mm. now because I've been that person yeah. and I am that person many times um, in discovering that, um, you know, it just it's it's counterintuitive to think that rest is going to, in the long run, allow for you to perhaps even do more mm-hmm. because you're allowing God to do more. I mean, if you look at the scriptures, you look at the at the Sabbath. So the the whole idea of the Sabbath was basically a time where you would where you would stop and you would you would acknowledge um, what God has done. You yeah. would acknowledge what he did. You would recognize that um, things will be fine even if you don't worry. It's a, it's a, it's a step of faith. Yeah. And basically saying, if I'm not around, God's still in control. You know? It's true. So how do, we bring, how do we bring people to that? Just so you guys know, uh, we're, we're going through a, a, book, a really good book um, called The um, Emotionally Healthy Leader. Yes. Right? Yes. And so uh, it's, it's, one of the aspects of that is the Sabbath, and it is, you know, it talks about the Sabbath delight. In other words, there's this moment where you've designed, you know, a 24-hour period to where you actually stop doing uh, work, and, and there's something beautiful that happens in that, you know, mm. and it's been, or, it, that's been actually ordained by God. Um, like for me, I have a hard time with that because my, normally my days off, and I'm working on this, mm-hmm. my day off is just different work. Yeah. It's not, it's it's just that I'm not in the day-to-day work that I'm doing here at church. Like my Saturday is like, you know, wake up, cut the lawn, go through the message again, you know, wash my car. Like you just, mm-hmm. you're still jam-packed full of stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. So rest is, rest is a funny one because it's one of those things that if you are not intentional about resting, it's going to get brushed aside because, uh, I feel like there's so many people that it's like, oh, I'll rest when I'm dead, you right, know? Right. And that's no. That's, and there's a, there's even a, a like I grew up. This is how I grew up thinking. Like you, you you grind, you grind, you grind, and you do because this is what Christ did for you. Mm-hmm. And so a way of being grateful and sort of quote unquote paying back, you just you just grind like mm. ministry wise. Like you never stop because they would say, 
something like if the if the enemy never stops, I'm never going to stop. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's oh, there's so many different avenues to mm-hmm. attack this. Um, I think the first one that I would say is that. Uh, funny enough, Tony and I were just recently going through this in like Hebrews three and four, um, that that we are called into into a rest in Christ, mm. and um, it's a fairly complicated interpretive pursuit uh, because it it can get a little dicey. But essentially, that rest in Hebrews seems to be talking about um, a rest that that God was trying to bring the the Israelites in. To like the Exodus generation, mm-hmm. he was trying to bring them into. They chose to be disobedient, and yet now, God is offering this same rest to us in Christ. And this rest is often looked at like, like, well, yeah, actually, when I die, when I go to be with Christ, I will finally be at rest. Which, yes, this is true, but in some sense, this rest is also offered to us today. Mm. Um, this this rest that. God has called us to walk in now is not a matter of of once I get all my ducks in a row, then I can rest. And I feel like that's often people's mindset when it comes to rest. But you know as well as everyone else that there's not going to be a moment where you do get your ducks in a row. Yeah. And even if you do, you'll just find something else to do and mm-hmm. not rest anyways. Yeah. And so rest is something that that we need to approach with a mindset of of this is something that I need. Mm. Like it's not, this is not, this is not a negotiable. And it's hard to say that because we have a lot of responsibilities. We have a lot of commitments. We have a lot of people that we care about and we want to do things well. But in recognizing that I need to be able to stop and rest, we actually start to experience God in a way that we wouldn't otherwise. What I mean by that is when we experience God in rest, we understand more about who he is and his character in the fact that I can be stop. I can stop doing things. The world will keep turning and God will still be in control. Yeah. And so I feel like for a lot of people, when they come to moments of trying to rest, there's like anxiety that starts bubbling up and there's frustration and the feeling like they have to start grabbing onto things mm. when really it's just our, for lack of better terms, sinful longing to have things within our control. Mm. Or it's a matter of guilt or shame as like, I, I need to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm not good enough. Right. But in recognizing who we are in Christ and that even if the enemy doesn't stop working, Christ has already done all of the work. That's right. And that that is already taken care of. That I'm not saying that I'm advocating for idleness and people to just be slothful and just do nothing. Cause mm. I feel like this conversation often comes to extremes. It's like, well, yeah. we can't do nothing, you know? And that's, that's a valid concern. But my assumption and my experience has shown that most people who struggle with resting will actually probably not even fall into doing nothing because of the way that they're wired and the way that they do want to continue moving forward. Mm. But in our rest, in recognizing God as being sovereignly in control and that he's the one working everything, that that we are really just, we are living for him. Yeah. Um, we start to see that, you know what? I I don't have to do it all. This That perpetual feeling that yeah. I have to do everything, start you start to understand. It's like, yo, I actually am okay. Yeah. But that has to 
generate from a space of being in Christ and what it means to be in Christ. Mm. And so as we're looking at rest, being in Christ, we start to see this idea that that God is more in control than I give him credit for. Yeah. And in that, when it starts coming to the things that we actually need to do, we look at them with a whole new understanding because without rest, with, with the feeling that I need to do everything, hmm. um, rest gets pushed aside because there's all these things that are urgent and important. Um, but when, when we stop and sit with God, this delighting in Sabbath or yeah. this, this rhythm of rest, we come into we come into a space where God actually starts aligning the things that we need to do mm. because we, we were never meant to do it all. We could never do it all, but we start to deceive ourselves into thinking that we can. So that way we drive ourselves into the ground, become so overwhelmed that we, we don't take time to stop and see God. Yeah. Stop and see how present God is with us. And I think rest is one of the key ways that we do that. And as we rest and God starts to work out these these things within us that are rest avoidant, mm. um, we start to see really ex- see and really experience God's grace in a way that we haven't before. Mm. And in that he starts to, to pave our schedules and our paths in a way that we have yet to experience because rest is not something that we, we prioritize in most cases. Yeah. And yeah. so, off my soapbox. No, I love that, um, man. That is so good. I think you 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 said it perfectly. You said it perfectly. Yeah, that's really good. You know, one of the things I was I was actually talking to Tanner about that earlier. Mm. Um, so Tanner is someone that we were that were. I just interviewed him today for the possibility of him being uh, the youth ministry director at our at our church, which you guys can please be praying for because we're still interviewing for that job. Anyway, he's a Biola graduate, and we were talking earlier over coffee. Uh, I was telling him the story of. Um, you know, I pastored a church in Chile for six years, and the church grew. It was a beautiful experience. Um, and then I, we, we decided to move to the United States. And here's the thought that I had. And I didn't realize how sinful this thought was until God showed me how sinful it was. Here's my, here was my thought. I'm like, if I leave that church in Chile, and we had left leadership there, pastors there, his wife, great leaders. I'm like, if I leave this church, the church is going to the church is gonna flop. Like I had that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then God allowed for me to see the absurdity in my thought process. Like you really, be, like God was saying, do you really believe that I'm up there, up here in heaven, looking down and saying, if Josh is not there, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. So I was, it was revealed to me the absurdity of that. Um, and then there was this freedom that came as a result of knowing that God's in control. Like He's got this. Nothing. That church is not my church, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's still going. It's fine. It's growing. You know, they've gone through COVID and all that kind of stuff. I think rest has to do with that as well in understanding. Oh, because I was talking to him about what would happen if he would leave his current youth group right now. What would happen to them? So I mm-hmm. told him that story just to give him some peace. Um, but it's also the understanding that, you know, this is this this whole story that is unfolding in humanity is is God's story. Mm. Like we're not like like we're privileged to be included in it. Yeah. You know, so it's not on us. And so I think I think rest is that too, in the sense that we're we don't have to do this, we get to do this. Yeah. So we're not we're not burdened, but you know Matthew eleven, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I won't give you a a to do list. Mm-hmm. Like come into and then uh, when you when you do God's work, it becomes a joy. It doesn't become a burden. 
You know, it's, it's this beautiful, it's like when you're talking with someone, see, because I grew up thinking that when you had a conversation with someone, you needed to get them to do something. Like the goal of the conversation was that you get that person mm. to either do the sinner's prayer, to mark a card, to come yeah. to church. So there was this weird agenda behind that we were we got really good at covering up and we had this system that we would talk through and get them to finally pray the prayer. But those relationships were terrible. Yeah. They weren't organic. They weren't based on love. They weren't based on it is finished. They were based on me completing the work of God or else. Yeah. So where's love in all that? Because if, if there's one thing that we have, like one job description, is we're called to love one another. We're called to love God, and we're called to love people. You know, I think it was Billy Graham that said, you know, because I also grew up believing that well, our job descri- description was, you know, different than just love. Like mm-hmm. it didn't seem like enough. There has to be more to that. But then um, Billy Graham once said, um, God, God is the one who judges. Jesus is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. You have one job, and that is to love your neighbor. Mm. And so when you come with that mindset and you're having a conversation, there's no agenda. Like, you know the Holy Spirit is doing his work, and you're this there you're there with that person. All you want to do is love that person, listen to that person, give that person advice, listen more than talk. That's, that's something that I've learned, mm. you know, uh, over the years. And even yesterday, man, I was having a conversation with my landlord, and I've tried. I've been wanting him to come to church, man. Um, but now I have that peace that you're sitting there, you're having a conversation. We had a great talk, by the way. Um, but I'm not in the back of my mind saying I got to get him to say mm. this or I got to get him to do that. No, man. No. Yeah, it's rest is an interesting thing in in so far as it it seems to open open up the way that we look at things, particularly mm. in this light. Um, so just for the people listening, like this isn't only relative to us who are in vocational ministry. This is, this is true. <laughs> I think what's true for me is true for all of us. Thank you. I've heard um, someone say that before. In case you guys haven't heard Pastor Josh say that before. This is so important. It's so important. <laughs> um, but, but I think it is true uh, because I feel like there's often a space that we can relegate. Well, well, those are the people that are doing this for work. You know, right. these are, these are the, the people who are really invested the in professionals. this way. They're professionals. Yeah. yeah. Which funny enough, I'm reading a book. John Piper. That, John Piper that, that Pastor Josh had recommended. That's literally talking about how we are not called to be professionals mm-hmm. at being in ministry. We're not called to be professionals at being Christians. We're not called to to simplify and execute and be efficient and effective and all these things. Like these are all good things, but our call is to long after the Lord. It's Mm. to seek him with all our being. It's to love him with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, all of these things. But rest is often the thing that opens the door for us to start seeing this. And I think there's, there's often this, this need within us. And kind of like you were saying to think that if I don't do it, nobody will. Right. And, I think as I've seen with my own experiences with rest, I start to see it's like if something doesn't get done, that's okay. Mm. And I think that's just so, so countercultural. Oh, yeah. And so. Especially in America. Yeah, is that, exactly. <laughs> and so against the grain. Um, and if anyone needs a book recommendation, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Mm. Um, definitely, it's, it's a challenging read talking about our culture of being hurried and um, definitely worth the read. But we have this, this culture that's saying get as much done as possible. 
and then you'll be good enough mm. or get as much done and then you'll be approved or then you'll have this credibility. And I think what I've been seeing more and more in my church experience is, is this less of a longing to get everything done mm. in, in recognizing and seeing God in the midst of my limits. And so as I'm, as I'm able to discern what he wants me to do, as opposed to what I feel, what I need to do, I'm able to then go and do what he's called me to do in a way that, that I can actually give what I have to mm. these things, as opposed to spreading myself thin and yeah. everyone getting a mediocre version of me. I'm able to then walk forth and, and fully love people yeah. and walk forth and fully preach or fully um, counsel people or yeah. whatever whatever the situation calls for within the parameters that God has called me for. Mm. And and it's funny that, because um, in reality, I think that's one of the best ways that we can love. Mm. It's like, I feel like people reduce love down to just just be forgiving. like, And that's their whole picture of love. Um, it's funny because I've been going through 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. and I've been kind of, I've been kind of a, a couple days behind of where I was at. And so I took a couple days off of that, but I came back to it last night and this morning. And so between last night and this morning, I read first Corinthians 12 and 13 and first Corinthians 12 talks all about the spiritual gifts. It talks about being a prophet, being an apostle. It talks about being a teacher or speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues or yeah, speaking prophecies uh, healing miracles, all these things, all these, these wonderful things that God has, uh, these gifts mm. that he's bestowed upon his yeah. people. And it's like all the things that, that only can come from the spirit of God that we see within the church. Uh, but chapter 12, and it was funny cause I was reading this right at the end. And, right. And well, so, yeah, yeah. so I was reading this last night and this morning and I wasn't going to read it this morning cause I usually do my devotional time before I go to sleep. But I was reading it this morning and I had this weird feeling like, okay, for those of you who don't know, like much of, like our conversation now is not prepared. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he gives me a list of questions that, oh. I, that I write out answers for. Yeah. Um, this is, this is not a prepared conversation. So as I was doing my devotion, um, the end of, uh, the end of chapter 12, um, is talking about these spiritual gifts, these miraculous things of healing people and all these things, um, speaking in tongues. And he's like, Paul is saying to earnestly desire these gifts. But then he ends the chapter by saying, but I will show you an even more excellent way. And then he goes into chapter 13, which is the way of love. Mm. And chapter 13, as I'm sure many people know, is, is like the verses that people say at weddings. Like love is patient, love is kind, it does not boast or envy, all these wonderful things. But in that, this is not just about weddings. This is not a wedding passage, even right. though it's often and commonly used in that way. He's saying that there are all of these wonderful things that you can do for God. But in all of these, if you're a prophet, if you have wisdom, if you have faith that can move a mountain, if you, if you speak in tongues, if you, do all, if you sacrifice your life to be burnt at the stake, like if you give everything you have away, all these things, I, I actually wrote it in my Bible. It's like generosity, uh, wisdom, tongues, prophecy, sacrifice, all these different things. And each of them said, if you have this, but don't have love, then you have nothing. Mm. And 
and I think that's a, a very important thing for us to look at because love is not just a matter of being forgiving. Mm-hmm. Love is not just a matter of, of doing things when you don't want to do them. Love is what we are called to as believers. Yeah. And the way that it, it shows itself is in our posture, I, I think. I think it's within our posture of how we look at God and how we look at the people around us. Mm. Because we can do all the things. We can, we can speak prophecies of the future. We can teach a wonderful biblical message. You can, uh, you can do all of these wonderful things. Give, sell your house for someone else. You can do all of these things. But if, if these things are not connected to the source yep. of the one who actually loved us first, then it's a clanging symbol. It's just loud to, to God's it's ears. Just noise. It's just noise. Yeah. And so as we, as we look at these things, as we recognize our role in all of this, that, it's, that it could never be about what we do, hmm. that though what we do is important, um, it's more so about where we love. And I think, I think in rest, we recognize more so of who God is, what he does, who we are, what we do, and what we're called to. And in that, we then go forth and love, love in the way that we are called to love. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, it's just so cool. I, it's I super can talk about cool. the Bible for too long, but no, no, I, no, don't ever apologize for that. <laughs> yeah. Like in, even at the end of that chapter, it talks about love enduring all. And then it goes through everything and it says, and we're left with three things, faith, hope, and love. Yeah. And I actually just, I just heard this a few months ago in one of my classes, but we're left with faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yeah. And the cool thing is, it's like, well, why is love the greatest of these things? It's because because we have faith right now. Mm-hmm. We have faith, uh, faith in the things unseen. Yeah. When Christ comes back, these things will no longer be unseen. Correct. So faith will no longer be as uh, in the same place that it is because when we, when we experience Christ we then no longer have the need for faith because he will be before our eyes in reality. That's right. When it comes to hope, hope is looking forward to the future for what is to come. Mm. Hope is looking forward in the promises. Hope and faith obviously are very interconnected. Uh, Hope is looking forward to the coming of Christ and the, the fulfillment of his kingdom. And so when he comes and fulfills his kingdom and does what he says he's going to do, then we no longer need hope for, because it'll, it'll have happened. Right. Right. even when Christ comes back, love will still be as prominent. Mm. I would argue probably even more so. It'll be complete. That, that love that is that we often see as partial now will be complete in Christ. Yeah. That's what this uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 was talking about. All of these great things are all just impartial. Yeah. There are, there are, they are all partial. Partial, yes. Um, but love then, now, and to come will be seen mm. in its fullness in Christ. And so that's what we're called to. That whether whatever it is that we are doing for God or doing in our day-to-day lives, that that's why love is the prominent point mm. because of the of the fullness that is seen within Christ. Yeah. And and you know, we often have skewed understandings of love, but nonetheless love at least in this passage is the large driving point behind everything yeah. behind what God has done for us. Oh yeah. It even says, um, if you, if you sacrifice, basically if you sacrifice without love, then you have nothing, nothing. Yeah. And it's like, well, God, 
showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right, right. And so his sacrifice was an act of love. And therefore, as we go forth, we do things as an act of love for God and his people. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, that's so good, man. <laughs> that's so, so good. You know, that whole thing of faith and love, it's uh, it's an interesting one. In fact, there's the, there's a commentary on on Galatians that was done by Luther, and he talks about the verse where it says, circumcision or incircumcision mean nothing. Only one thing matters, and that is faith expressing itself through love. Mm. You know, and I love that, and he talks about this, and this is how he interprets it. He talks about two planes of relationship with God and with the, and with with one another. Hmm. He talks about the vertical. He talks about faith being the vertical. So yeah. faith is what we receive from God. You know, he also he also talks about it being um, active righteousness and passive ra- righteousness. Hmm. So passive righteousness is the righteousness that we receive from God. It's imputed over us, like it comes it comes forth on us like an avalanche like we're just <laughs> smashed by his yeah. by his passive righteousness meaning that we don't have to do anything so it's something that we just receive um and then there's the uh, active righteousness which is our uh our works for one another our love for one another and so he talks about this whole idea of the way that we feel that is by the preaching of the gospel. Hmm. So you hear the gospel over and over and over again, and you're reminded over and over and over again, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished, it is, it is finished. So then when I, um, when I receive the faith and I'm expressing it through love, it's coming from faith and I'm expressing love to you, and it's, and it's love that is um, the right kind of love because it's a love where I don't need anything from you. Hmm. I'm complete in Christ, so I'm free to love you. you know? So that comes off... Uh, in the right way. So it's no longer, uh, I'm trying to get you to do something. I'm complete in Christ, but we forget. That's why Luther also says, you know, I have to preach the gospel to my congregation every week because they forget it every week. And I have to preach the gospel to myself every day because I forget it every day. And so um, faith comes through the through the preaching of the gospel. And so you, you're reminded about this. So you go back to the source, you're fueled, you're reminded that everything in Christ, everything that I need in Christ, I already have. And so I can come to you with no agenda other than just to express that love. Yeah. And so it's crazy how Jesus just, he says over and over and over and over again, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. The only thing that matters uh, is, you know, the apostle, Paul says, faith right? Expressing itself through love. Mm -hmm. So the evidence of that faith is love. How do you love one another? Yeah. And it becomes a joy. It doesn't become a burden. Like it was so prevalent as I was growing up that, that love was not free. It was, I I need to love you because that's the right thing to do, Mm. you know? And it's so, and it was like, I wanted to get you to do something because there's something incomplete about this picture. But when you understand that it's all been completed by Christ, you can now love the right way with no agenda. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I think I've told you like a little bit about my approach with our young adults ministry. Um, I think, I think it's so common or at least, so the way that I grew up was I heard the gospel every week. Mm. That was, that was day in and day out. Like the churches that I grew up in, it's like, I never went a Sunday without hearing the gospel. Um, however, in my, hearing the gospel and never really hearing more, um, what I started to experience is, is like, oh, well, 
Jesus died for me. Like he, he clearly loves me. Yeah. Like I, nothing that I could do or nothing that I've ever done will separate me from him. Great. So it's like, I'm going to go and do things my way and do things how I want to do. Cause I already got that on lock. Mm-hmm. No big deal. And I think, I think oftentimes we could either fall into that or the other side, which is like how you had said your experience very much so was with how we, we ought to go and go and do love, go and go and be love mm. and do these things um, as opposed to love being something that is pouring out of us. Mm-hmm. It's like, do these things to show that you love. Mm. Um, and I think both of those um, are a bit skewed. Uh, one, so as far as our young adults ministry, one of the, the main things, and I think I'm actually um, going to be preaching on this on a Sunday in a few weeks or month. I don't know. Um, something like that. Three weeks. Three weeks. Oh, something man, like that. Three weeks. Uh, that this idea of being in Christ and what it means to abide in Christ. Mm. Um, and I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's one of the things that often gets missed in these conversations because I can, I can preach the gospel to someone and if they're not in Christ, then what they, what they do and what they hear is probably not going to have much influence on their life. Yeah. I can, I can, to call someone to living for Christ because we are called to live for Christ. But if they're not in Christ, then what they do is not going to be an overflow of love. This is going to be a matter of it being about what they do. Right. And so in in both sides of this spectrum, what we're missing is what it actually means to be in Christ Mm. and to abide in Christ. And so as you were saying with Martin Luther, um, faith being something that God gives us, God gives us faith and as, as we receive this faith, we then, it's almost like, well, what do we do now? What do we, what do we then do with this? Yeah. And I think my, my thing would be to say to continue to, uh, this is, this is a little hard, but continue to foster that. Mm. Like there's a million things that you can be doing. There's a million things going on in your life, but take time to be with God and, and recognize that like prayer, scripture, fellowship, communion, worship, all of these things are not things that we just do for God. They can very often be seen as that. Mm. But when we stop and recognize that these are ways that we spend time with God, these are ways that we commune with God and and he is in us and we're in him together. We're walking in union with God. We start to see everything so differently that everything is through a different lens now. Because as long as I say this all the time, but as long as reading the Bible and praying is something to do to you, it's always going to feel like something to do. As long as in your mind, it's something that needs to get done. It's always going to feel like something you need to do. Check it off your list. But once you start seeing these things as this is not, and, and this is something that, you know, it, it takes, it takes working through this with God to get to this point. But when you start seeing these things as this is what, this is how I commune with God. This is how I spend time with the one who not only created me, but wants to spend time with me um, and is in control of everything too, yeah. or on that note. But when we start to see these things as how we get filled and, and as our source, it starts to no longer be like, I need to go do this. Correct. It's like, I need this. Yeah. Like I need this in my life. And then as we, as that is fostered within us, we then see like, like serving is because I'm with God. Like mm. God has, 
put in my heart that I need to serve his church and serve his people and love his people and forgive the people around me and not hold all this anger and resentment. Mm. And so he's the one who starts to cleanse us and starts to reorient the things within our heart. And so as, as we are understanding and prioritizing what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be forgiven or saved or healed or shame free and all of these things as to be in the, in in the image of God, Mm. um, as we're really taking this stuff in, mm. I'm hoping that it often will um, it will lessen the dissonance between what we know about God and what we experience about God. Hmm. Because oftentimes it's like, well, I know all of this stuff, but I'm going to go do my thing. And that's yeah. often because we allow it into our heads, but it hasn't yet reached our hearts. Yeah. So by prioritizing what it is to be in Christ... God is starts to connect those two things that what you know actually becomes what you believe to the depths of your being. Yeah. Thus we go forth and love. Yeah. Thus we go forth and we receive the gospel as the fact that, that in Christ, in his life and his death and his resurrection, that there is nothing more that we can do, mm. that there was nothing we could ever do to attain this, that he is just give it to us that, that while we deserve death, that he gave us life. Yeah. We then take that rest in that, but then able to go forth and continue to live as he's called us. Right. Because as we are in Christ and abiding in him and he abides in us, he, he's developing yeah. our spiritual life in a way that then calls us to have the right understanding of what it means to do things for God. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm getting that image as a sort of like a, uh, like a continuum, like mm. one thing feeds the other, and it and you you move forward in that. Uh, thinking also about um, you know just Mary and Martha. I mean, that's the, well, what Definitely. better example than yeah. that? You know, she's at the feet of Jesus. You know, doing nothing, literally sitting there, just looking at Jesus, listening to him, and then Martha's busy doing all this kind of stuff, serving God. By the way, serving yeah. Jesus, getting things ready, makes us think about you know how we can miss the boat completely, mm. even as we're serving Jesus at the church, you know, or what have you. Um, and then there's Mary and, uh, Martha's like, Jesus, like, look, tell her something like she's wasting her time, yeah. you know, uh, doing nothing. And then Jesus is like, you know, actually he says, Martha, Martha, you're, you're, uh, you are busy and concern yourself with many things, but only one thing is needed. And you know, only few things are needed. In fact, only one. It's interesting how he corrects, yeah. kind of corrects himself. Few things are needed, but actually only one. And Mary has chosen what is best, which will not be taken away from her, which brings me back to what you were saying about love. So there's faith and hope, which we will no longer be needing. Mm. But then there's love, which transcends, starts at this side of eternity, but goes on uh, for the rest of time. And so um, that to me is like the going back to rest. It's like just... Like that's the goal. Like mm. that's there's nothing lacking. Like Mary and Jesus weren't lacking anything in that moment. You know, yeah. no one's saying the serving's bad. Serving's good. It's a good thing, but you you come at it from a place of of completion. It's all been finished. Mm. You're not adding to God's work. He's working through you, but you've already come to a place to where you're you're resting. Like you're you're at rest in the work that you're doing definitely yeah and it's funny because i was this just came to mind it's like uh like do you think uh, mary never did anything for god exactly like exactly and 
and that's where that's where this idea is. It's yeah. not all about what we do, but I can almost guarantee you oh, for that, sure. yeah. that Mary still did yeah. things for Christ. And but so, Martha thought she was being lazy. Exactly. Which, which is really interesting. As we as we begin to understand rest as a means of experiencing God in his character and in his presence, mm. we start to we start to take in this idea of like all these other things, like all these things that we know as church mm. things. It's like these are really just different means of being with God yeah. and rest falls into that as well. And yeah. rest almost never gets put in that category, mm-hmm. but rest is a way that we get to experience God in ways that we haven't in yeah. other places. Yeah. And so as we, as we look at the importance of rest and, and the idea that, well, I'll never have time to rest. I have too much to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, I guess my encouragement would be to, to really just try it. Yeah. And, and, try to spend time with God. And if there's kinks there, it's like allow God to work those kinks out because by allowing him to work with what's going on within us, he then comes to shape us to look more like himself. I love it. And, and I think busyness is one of the key ways Mm. that, that we miss out on that, Mm. that we miss out on what God is trying to do in us by, by hiding in everything that we have to do. Mm. Yeah, And so when it comes to love, when it comes to being in Christ, when it comes to rest, when it comes to all of these things, it's like really we look at everything as a means of how, how God has loved us, mm. how, what he is doing both within us, for us, through us, and recognize that he is, I don't mean this to guilt anybody, but he is just so much more worthy of our time and attention than we allow him to be mm. then we then we give to him yeah and it's like I, I i think i say this a lot but it's like you won't regret spending time with god right right and it's like if if you do then maybe there's some other things going on but i can say confidently that that in the midst of all of all of my many 24 oh almost 25 years um that there's nothing that i've done that has been that has been better than giving my time and my attention and my life to God. Absolutely. Oh, that's a good way to end it, man. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. This was good. It was a pleasure. Yeah. All right, you guys, I will see you next time. Love you guys. Bye.